Hey, Jake and Andy, could y'all help me for a second? Please? All right, so, uh, so last week we started our uh, Answers in August series this year, uh, and the topic we're talking about is uh, eternal security or perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved. The same, same doctrine has several different, different names that, that it's known by, several different names that it, that it goes by. And uh, last week, um, we started off talking about some different uh, denominations, some different Christian traditions who believe, who do not believe in eternal security, who believe that, that it's possible for someone who is a, uh, who's a genuine believer in Jesus to, uh, to lose their salvation, to stop being saved. And we talked about why. We're going to recap some of that here in a few minutes. We talked about why. Uh, there were five different uh, reasons or five different arguments that we went over that, that people that hold that position, um, why they hold that position. Tonight we want to, and we looked at a lot of scripture last week as well. Um, tonight we want to look at the other side. And so there's, there are also are, are several different denominations, traditions, lots of believers who think the Bible teaches that you cannot lose your salvation. That if you're saved, if you're one of, one of God's children, you're adopted into his family, then, uh, then you will persevere to the end. You'll, you'll be secure uh, in his love eternally. Okay? And so we're going look, look at some reasons why people believe that. And then next week, we're going to spend uh, talking about some of those scripture passages that we're talking about last week and this week, and we're going to see how do, we, how, do we, how do we make sense of them? How do we fit them together? How do we understand those, right? It seems if, it's, if, it, if it is possible to lose your salvation, I'm going to give a, some, some different passages today that seem to say it's not possible to lose your salvation, right? So if it is, how do we understand those? And we looked at a lot of scripture last week that, that seems to say that it is possible to lose your salvation. And if it's not possible to lose your salvation, then how do we understand uh, some of those passages? That's what we'll do next week, okay? We want to look at the reasons why uh, people believe that you cannot lose your salvation. So last week we started with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. I'm going to read that again tonight. This is, this is what our church believes. This is our church's official statement of faith. Uh, this is what I believe and what all of your pastors here believe and, and other leaders here. And this is the, uh, the Baptist Faith and Message. This is, just 2000. this is Article 7, I believe. And the title of the article is God's Purpose of Grace. This is just the second half of it. It says, all true believers endure to the end. Those whom God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by his Holy Spirit will never fall away from this state of grace, but shall persevere to the end. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and their temptation, whereby they grieve the Holy Spirit, they impair their graces and comforts, and they bring reproach on the cause of Christ and temporal judgments on themselves, but they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Okay? That's, that's the official position of our church. And to put that, you know, to summarize that in, in, a, in a sentence or, or very shortly, it is we, we believe that if someone is saved, if someone has believed in the Lord Jesus and become a Christian, become a, a, a son of God or daughter of God, then that person will remain in that situation forever. Uh, if someone starts believing in Jesus, they will keep on believing in Jesus forever. Okay. So there, there are several different traditions or denominations that, that, that think that way. Um, 
and, and so just a few of them are um, congregational churches. Uh, congregational churches are kind of, a, kind of a weird mix. There's not a lot of those around anymore. Uh, there used to be a lot of them uh, back in the early days of the United States, and maybe there are more of them in the northeast part of the U.S. Um, when I was living in Oklahoma City, there was a congregational church uh, that I would drive by a lot, kind of in a, in a, on a street that I drove a lot, but that's the only time I've ever seen one. But a congregational church is kind of a, 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 a kind of a hybrid between a Baptist and Presbyterian church. A congregational church believes uh, they're congregational like we are, so the congregation makes the decisions. There's no hierarchy above the church like in a Presbyterian church uh, or, or like in a Baptist church. Um, but they also believe that you should baptize believers and their infant children. So it's like a Baptist church that does infant baptism, if you can imagine that, right? Um, uh, so that's congregational churches, but they also believe that you can't lose your salvation. Um, another group is, is Presbyterian churches, and there are a lot of different types of Presbyterian churches, several different Presbyterian denominations in, in the U.S. and other parts of the world, but Presbyterian churches believe that you cannot lose your salvation. Um, Anglican churches believe that you cannot lose your salvation. At least the, the more reformed wing of the Angli Anglican churches believe that you cannot lose your salvation. And then uh, most Baptist churches, there are uh, there are some, some Baptists who believe that, that you can. Uh, we were talking about that last week. Someone came up and told me they were part of a Baptist church they grew up in that thought you could lose your salvation. So there are uh, a, a few that do, but most Baptists believe that you cannot lose your salvation. Okay? Now, last week I, I mentioned this, and I'll say it again tonight. Last week I was listing off denominations that think you can lose your salvation, and we listed Catholics and, uh, and um, more charismatic churches and Methodist churches, those kind of things. But not everyone who's part of a Methodist church necessarily believes that you can lose your salvation, right? Um, and that's true for, for these as well. There are, um, I'm sure there are people maybe even in our church that, that think you can lose your salvation. So just because you're part of that doesn't mean that, but that's generally those, those positions, okay? So last week we talked about uh, arguments for why you can lose your salvation. And so I'll just remind you those real fast. If you were not here last week and didn't get those, uh, you can go online and there's a, there's a link on our church website to the video where you can watch the video from last week. Um, or if you don't want to do that, uh, there's also on the, on the church blog from last week, um, I put like an, an outline of what we talked about last, last week. Okay? So one argument is free will, that, uh, that we have freedom to choose God. And if we have freedom to choose to believe in God, then that means that we also have freedom to choose to stop believing in God if we decide to. Uh, so free will is the first reason. The second reason is uh, there are passages in the Bible where God actually warns people against falling away. And we looked at some of those last week. There are passages that, that are warning passages. Make, make sure, you know, be careful that you don't fall away. Be careful that you don't turn away. Be careful for other people in the church that they don't fall away, right? Um, there are also other passages in the, in the Bible Number three, where God encourages believers to continue in the faith. So kind of the opposite, right? There's some negative passages saying, hey, don't fall away. And then there are also some positive passages that say, hey, make sure you keep believing. Okay? Um, both of those are there. And then uh, number four, uh, in the Bible, we see some examples of people who seem to have fallen away. Right? And so we talked about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, and they, they experienced God's judgment. We uh, talked about um, uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander in, uh, in uh, I think it was in 1 Timothy, where uh, Paul talked about them making shipwreck of their faith. So there's some examples like that. 
and them losing their uh, just people's own personal experience. People, people say that they know of people in their families, in their churches, people they're friends with who, um, who once were faithful to Jesus, once were following him, were part of churches, and now they're not. And so their own personal experiences teach them that, that people can lose their salvation. Okay, so tonight I want to talk about arguments why you cannot lose your salvation. This is what I think the Bible teaches. This is what I think is true. And so we'll, we'll look at this, and, and there's four, four reasons or kind of four categories of, of Bible passages. Uh, and I, I, I made those scripture sheets for y'all. Is there one left over, Jake? I didn't get one for myself. Uh, I made those scripture sheets for you all again tonight so that we don't have to spend all that time uh, flipping through the Bible. Uh, we can look some passages up maybe if y'all want to, but... Uh, this is just a time saver. Thanks. So, so four reasons or four categories of, of Bible passages that, that, that say you cannot lose your salvation. Um, and so number one, um, this position is not saying that no one ever falls away. Okay, that might seem a little bit confusing because I just said this position says that people don't lose their salvation. Okay, but that doesn't mean that no one ever falls away. We know of people that have fallen away, right? We know of people that once were part of the church and now are not part of the church. We know of people who once seemed to be following Jesus hard, hard after it, you know, with, with everything in them, and, and now they're not. Um, and so we, we acknowledge that and, and we know that. But the question is, why do those people fall away? Why do those people fall away? And, and what the Bible says is that, yes, there, there are people who, who fall away, but the reason they fall away is because they weren't really converted, right? They may have seemed like they were converted. Maybe they were living the life in some ways of, of a believer, of a Christian, but they weren't really Christians. They weren't really converted, okay? So let's think about some passages. The first one is one that you'll, you'll be familiar with because uh, we just got through preaching through 1 John. But look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, John's talking here to the spreading this false, some false teachers that have, that have left their church, it seems like, and have gone out and are spreading this false gospel, this false message to these other churches. And, and here's what he says. He said, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Right? So John's saying, yeah, we had some people that left. But their leaving is proof that they were never really part of us to begin with. They were never really one of us. They might have seemed like they were. They might have seemed like they were following Jesus. Maybe they seemed like they were, they were uh, believing in God, but they, but they weren't really. Okay? In Matthew chapter 7, uh, Jesus gives this, this warning passage here. He says, not everyone who says to me, talking about the day of judgment, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, on the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So there's a category of people who, who seem like they're following the Lord, perhaps even a category of people that think they're following the Lord, um, even look like they're following the Lord. He says they're prophesying in his name. They're doing some things in his name. And yet Jesus says, I never knew you. I never knew them. You were not really one of my people. You were not really part of, uh, part of me. You weren't believers. And for that reason, he says, depart from me, 
right? You're doing these things under your own power. You're doing these things to try to gain a, a reputation or, or, or something, but you're not doing it because you're one of my people, right? A couple other passages. John chapter 8, uh, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, okay? If you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples. So what does that mean his disciples abide in his word? If they don't abide in his word, it means that they were not truly his disciples, right? The evidence of being true disciples is that you do, that you do abide in his word. And then one more, John chap- or Matthew chapter 10. Uh, this is the second half of verse 22. It says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Right? And that means the one who doesn't endure to the end is not saved. Right? So, so one of the ways that we know that someone is a believer is because they endure to the end, right? Um, and if, if someone doesn't endure to the end, if someone does fall away, someone that we see around us, someone that, someone that we know, someone perhaps that you're thinking of right now who has fallen away, it means one of two things. It either means, number one, they're, they're, uh, they're in sin and the Lord's going to bring them back at some point in the future, and they're going to repent of that sin and turn back, and, and, and we should pray that that's the case and pray that they do. Or it means that they were never really believers to start with. They never really trusted the gospel. They were never really changed by the gospel. And so they, they, they lived a certain way for a while, but they've gone back to who they really are, right? So this is number one. We're not saying that no one ever falls away. People do fall away. But what we're, what we're saying is, the reason they fall away is because they weren't really believers. And if they were really believers, then they would not have fallen away. Okay? Number two, uh, another reason that, that we believe that you cannot lose your salvation is because of who the author of salvation is. The author of salvation. Who is it that saves people? People don't save themselves. Right? We could have a big discussion about, about free will. People do make, make decisions. People choose to believe in the Lord. Uh, people, people have that responsibility and people are, are, um, are held accountable for that choice, whether they, whether they choose to believe or, or not. People do make choices. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying that God is the one who saves people, right? God is the one who saves people. And so let's look at a few passages about, about what that means. If God is the one who saves people, one thing it means is not, not going to stop saving people. If God's the one that does it, he's not going to stop. He's not, he, he, you know, and, and, and we believe that, that God saves people by his own grace, not because of our works, not because of anything we do. And so if God is saving people because of his grace, then we, we didn't start him saving us and we can't stop him saving us. Okay? So let's look at a few passages that, that teach this. One is in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and do not believe, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, Jesus says, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone that comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's pretty, pretty sure language, right? Jesus says, anyone that comes to me, I'm never going to cast him away, no matter what, right? He doesn't say I'm never going to cast him away unless that person decides they don't want to be part of me anymore. He says, I'm never going to cast him away. And all that the Father gives me, I will raise up on the last day. So all those who believe, all those who, who look upon the Son in salvation and believe the gospel, that same group will be raised up on the last day, right? It's not some of those, it's not most of those, it's all of those will be raised up on the last day, the, the same group. Um, an, another, another passage where we see this is, is probably the best known verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16, right? All y'all could probably... Didn't have to write it on the paper, but I did. Uh, it says, uh, for, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Okay, but why did he give him? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So how do you get eternal life? By believing in him. And if you believe in him, anybody, whoever it says, whoever believes in him, will get eternal life. They will not perish. So if, you, so if, if someone believes that, that it's possible to lose your salvation, to stop being saved, that means some people who have believed in Jesus will not perish, but will get eternal life. And some people who believe in Jesus will stop believing in Jesus, and so they will end up perishing, right? But, but this verse seems to say that that's not, that's not the case. That, that's not true. That's not possible. Whoever believes in him uh, will not perish, but will have eternal life. Okay? And then uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 30, says, Those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay? I just want to focus on the, that, that, those, that last group. It's the same all the way through, but that last group. H how does someone get justified? Right? Think about salvation as this kind of big umbrella term, and there's different stages of salvation. Right? There's sanctification that happens after someone's saved, and they're growing in Christ. And glorification, as we know, happens at the end of life or when the Lord comes back and we're made perfectly like him. Justification happens when we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus. And when we trust in Jesus, based on what Jesus has done for us, we're declared righteous. Right? Our guilt is taken away, and we're declared, that, that's what justification means, to be declared righteous. And so he says, everyone who's been declared righteous will also be glorified, right? Which means everyone who has believed in Jesus will be glorified. It's not everyone who can be glorified Jesus, that some of those people are going to fall away and not be glorified, and some of those people are going to stay and be glorified. It's that everyone who believes in Jesus and is justified will be glorified, okay? Now, we can also say, this is getting a little bit into next week, but just a little preview. We can also say all of those who believe in the Lord Jesus and are justified, who persevere to the end, will be glorified, right? That's a true statement. But the Bible is pretty clear that everyone who believes and is justified will persevere to the end. And we'll look at why here in a few minutes, Okay? So everyone who's justified will be glorified. A couple other passages. Ephesians chapter 1. 
Remember, we're talking here about God is the author of salvation. God's the one who saves us. And if God saves us, he's not going to stop. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The inheritance he's talking about is our glorification, is, is eternal life, is, is that we're going to be with Christ. He's going to be with us. It's, it's heaven, the new heavens and new earth, right? That's the, that's the, um, that's the inheritance. And he says that, that God has given us the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of the inheritance. It's a guarantee that it's going to happen. But also, we, people that are, that are believers have the Holy Spirit living in us, right? And, and we're going to see why that matters in a few minutes, too. The Holy Spirit's living in us. That, I'll just tell you, that's why someone who believes is, not, is, is going to persevere to the end. Someone who believes is not going to fall away because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, right? And he's a guarantee of the inheritance that we have coming. All right, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. We're going to look at this passage a few times, but 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 3 to 5 say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy... He has caused us to, to an inheritance, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Okay? And we're going to look at verse 5 in a few minutes. But those that are, that are believers in Jesus, those, those that have been saved by God, were saved because of the Father, right? Because he has caused us to be born again. He's caused us to be born again. We have a new life now. Uh, he, he's caused us to be born again. God did that. And he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. So if you've trusted in Christ, there's an inheritance that's waiting for you, and it's kept in heaven for you by God. God has given you new life, and he's going to bring you to that inheritance. All right, two other places. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, uh, 31 to 39. It says, what shall we say then to these things? He's talking in chapter, Romans chapter 8, he's talking a lot about suffering, about Christians who are believing in Jesus, um, and we've been given these promises, and, and yet we still go through suffering. And so what do we say to these things? How do we respond to this suffering that, that we experience? He says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is no one, right? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The answer is he will, right? If he's given us his son, he's going to give us all things. Uh, and then he says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long who loved us. Started as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
We've been studying Romans in Sunday school on Sunday mornings, and we just finished chapter 8. And one of the things that we saw on this list is there, there's some pairings here where his, his point seems to be that, uh, that every, th- these, these pairings are all inclusive, right? Height or depth, well, that includes everything. Life or death, that includes everything, right? Things present or things to come, that includes everything. And then he says it explicitly at the, at, at the last uh, verse, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. If you've been saved by him, if you're one of his people, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. All right, and then the last, uh, the last passage we want to think about with this, this uh, heading is Philippians 1.6, and we should all be familiar with that. We've done those Philippians 1.6 testimonies enough, right? We should probably all be able to quote it. Uh, Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. If God is the one who saves us, if God is the one who started saving us, if he's the one that began the good work in us, Paul says it's guaranteed he's going to bring it to completion. He's not going to stop what he started. If he started it, then he's going to finish it, right? Which is why... Uh, which we can look at that backwards and we can go back to the last point that those who have fallen away were not really believers to begin with. If, if God is not finishing a work in someone, that means he never started the work in them, right? If someone falls away, it means that that, that work was never started. But if that work is started, it will, it will be brought to completion, God says. Okay? So, uh, so it's not that no one ever falls away, but, but why do they fall away? The reason is, number two, who is the author of salvation? And then number three, a third reason is when we think about the nature of salvation. When we think about the nature of salvation, what salvation is. Salvation is permanent by nature. Okay, I made this point last week. Salvation is permanent by nature. It's not, a, it's not just, a, just a change of status. It's not just a change from, from one group to another group. It's not just a change from non-believer to believer, although it, it is that, but it's more than that. It's a change in our very nature. Uh, we just read that passage where, where uh, I think it was Peter, right, that says that we're born again. God has caused us to be born again. It's a new life. Paul says the old has passed away and th- all things have become new, right? The, the old self is, is gone. The new self is here. It's a, it's a total transformation, okay? And if salvation is a total transformation, then uh, we can take from that and we'll look at some passages that it's, that it's, that it's lasting, Okay. Last week, I, I, I used the analogy of like a, a mixture or a suspension versus a, a, um, a um, chemical reaction in science, right? A mixture can be separated, mixed together, but it can, it can be separated apart. A suspension is the same thing, but it's in a liquid. It can be separated, right? If you let it sit there long enough, eventually all the dirt will go to the bottom and the water will be at the top, right? Or all the oil will go to the top and the water at the bottom or however that works, whichever one's heavier, I don't know. Uh, and, 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 uh, but, but in a chemical reaction, we, we talked about fire last week. When there's a chemical reaction, there's no going back to what it was before, right? If you take a log and you set it on fire, however that works, we don't know, but however that works, I don't know. Y'all might know, but I don't know. But anyway, however that works, uh, oxygen mixes with the wood and heat, I don't know, whatever. But when it's done with, you're, you're, you're left with a pile of ashes, Right? And you can't take those ashes and change them back into wood and oxygen and heat and whatever else it was, right? The chemical reaction is, it, there's no going back. And, and that's how salvation is. It's a change in nature. There's no going, going back from it. So let's look at a, at a few, few passages. Ephesians chapter 2, 
Verse 5 says, even when we were dead, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So we were dead. Now we've been made alive. Right? This is the transformation of salvation. We were dead. Now we've been made alive. A total, total renewal, total transformation. In John chapter 10, Jesus says this. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Right? Those who are his people, those who have been saved, those who have experienced this transformation, hear his voice, recognize his voice, and follow him. And so if there's somebody who seems like he was following him at, at some point in his life, but now is not following him, well, there's, there's something wrong there, right? Either there's some sin that, like I said, hopefully that person's going to repent of and turn back from, or it's because that person doesn't hear his voice and doesn't follow his voice. And if so, it's because he's not one of his people, right? Last week, we looked at this passage last week, and I noted that, that people that say you can lose your salvation say, yeah, no one can snatch you out of God's hand, but if you want to get out yourself, you can, right? No one can snatch you out, but you have the freedom still to get out if you want to. But, but note what, what verse, um, verse 27 says, or verse 28. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my It's not just no one can snatch them out of his hand. It's that they will receive eternal life, and they will never perish. Right? John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. If you believe in the Son, if you're believing in the gospel, believing in Jesus, you have eternal life. He doesn't say you will receive eternal life, right? He says you have eternal life. Whoever hears it's something you already have. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Same thing. He has eternal life, right? Not that he will receive it, but he has it. But then in this passage, Jesus does look to the future and he says he will not come into judgment. If you, if you have, uh, if you hear the word of Christ and you believe in, in God that has sent him, then that person has eternal life and that person will not come into judgment. He has already passed from death to life, right? Uh, you know, one way of thinking about justification, I said it's that declaration that, that you're not guilty, declaration that you're righteous, and that's absolutely right. One way of, of looking at justification, and, and different Bible scholars and all have, have made this point, one way of understanding justification is it's the final judgment that's going to happen in the final day, right? We're, there, there's going to be a judgment one day justification is that final judgment being brought into the present, right? That final judgment being brought into the present, already declared now what's going to happen on that final day, right? There's going to be a judgment, but we're going to be judged not guilty. We're going to be judged righteous, not because of ourselves, but because of what Christ has done for us, right? Um, where are we? John chapter 6, verse 47, just a couple more Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Same point, right? If you believe, you have it. And then Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says, There is therefore now, right now, 
No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, those things are, are happening in the present. So, so another reason uh, we believe you can't lose your salvation is because of the nature of salvation, right? The nature of salvation. It's a complete change, a complete transformation, and uh, the things that are true of the person who's saved in the future are true of the person who's saved in the present. That person has eternal life now. One in, in reverse. And number four, uh, this is kind of number one in, in reverse, right? Number four, if someone has been truly converted, he will not turn back. Okay? Number one is if someone turns back, that means they weren't truly converted, right? Number four is if they are converted, they won't turn back. Kind of the same thing. But, but I want to look at, at, at two specific or three specific passages. Um, the reason they won't turn back, by the way, is because God is actively guarding his people from falling away. Okay? So 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. We read this already, but I want to focus on verse 5 now. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And then verse 5 says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Who are being guarded by faith, by God, through faith. Being guarded by God through faith, right? The reason that someone who's trusting in Jesus is going to continue believing forever and they're not going to turn back is because they're being guarded by God. God's making that happen, right? God's the, the same God that, that, uh, that, that opened up our hearts and, and, and so that we believed and received the gospel, that same God is working in our lives from, from that point until eternity, right? He's guarding it. There's another passage that says the same thing is 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 1. Uh, the second half of verse 12 says, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Right? Timothy says, I know who I'm believing in, I know who I'm trusting in, and I have confidence that he can guard the, the, what's been entrusted to me, the, the gospel. All right? And then finally, uh, John chapter 10, uh, eternal life. And then 7 and 29, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. We're in, the, we're in Jesus' hand, and then Jesus' hand is wrapped in the Father's hand, and, and no one can snatch us out of his hand. He's keeping us. Okay? So, so something that goes along with this final point, and then we'll take some questions, is... We can think about this doctrine in, in a couple of ways. We can think about this idea in a couple of ways. And we've been talking about eternal security. We've been talking about uh, once saved, always saved. And, and we've been talking about perseverance of the saints. And that's all the same thing, just different names for the same thing, right? But let's think for a minute about that, about the phrase perseverance of the saints. Because, because there's two things that are true. Both of these things are true. One, perseverance of the saints is true. Believers have to persevere to the end. And if you don't persevere to the end, you will not be saved, right? The Bible says that. But the Bible also says that if you're a true believer, you will persevere to the end, right? So, but perseverance is true. Perseverance of the saint. 
But it's also true, the Bible also says uh, the preservation of the saints, right? The perseverance of the saints is something that, that we do. We do that by God's grace and through God's power, the Holy Spirit working in us. We continue believing and we, we press on and, and, and keep trusting in Jesus. But the Bible also says that God is, as we're persevering, God is preserving us. As we're persevering, God is preserving us. So we could talk about the perseverance of the saints. We could talk about the preservation of the saints. Um, but either way, both of those things are true. We're holding on to God as God is holding on to us. Right? I think about like on a, on a TV show when I was a little kid, all these action TV shows or whatever, and someone's falling off a cliff and they grab them by one arm, right? And they're holding on. But often what would happen is they would be holding on like this. Right? Holding the wrist and the other person's holding the wrist. And so they're, they're, they're holding on to each other, right? And, and that's kind of how salvation is. We're holding on to God. We're persevering. But God's holding on to us. And God's, God's keeping us, right? In the book of, um, the book of Jude, uh, that, those phrases are used, right? Uh, uh, keep the faith, right? Keep the faith. And also, you're being kept in the faith by God. All right, any uh, questions? We've got a few minutes left. Thoughts, questions? Oh, yep. Edgar? Okay. Yep. Matthew 10, 34 is not correct. Oh, sorry, it's Matthew 22. Matthew 10, 22. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a lot of people's experience. I was talking to someone last week at the end, I forget who it was, been a winner and stuff. I was in high school or middle school or whatever it was, and we were going to youth camps and youth conferences during the winter and stuff, and they would have an altar call and I wouldn't necessarily always go down front, but I would almost always pray that prayer in my head, thinking if it didn't work last time, maybe it'll work this time, kind of thing, right? Because because I didn't because I didn't have that assurance, and I, and and part of that is is um, I don't know whose fault it is. I started to say part of that's the church's fault, which is probably true for not teaching on that well, but 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 we'll talk about some of that next week. But but the you know when we think about the book of First John, we just got through preaching through First John. Um, a lot of First John is about assurance. He says, I write this so that you will know that you have salvation, right? And so when, when John talks about that, the basis for assurance in First in John, and I think this is, this is true in life, is not something that happened in the past. I remember being at a, at a revival one time when I was younger, uh, and it wasn't like a youth revival. It was for everybody. It was a, a church revival. And I remember being in a revival and the, the preacher was given the altar call and, he, and, and some people came forward and he said, all right, here's what you need to do. You need to go home and you need to find a place in your yard and maybe, maybe you've got a window in front of your sink and it's your chore to do the dishes all the time. And so you find like a corner of your yard where it's not going to be noticeable, but, but you can see it from, the, from that window when you're doing dishes every, every night or every day or whatever. Go out to that part of the yard and put a stake in the ground or put a rock there or put something that's going to that's gonna be there so that every time you see it, it's going to be a reminder to you of the decision that you made tonight. 
And that's going to give you assurance of your salvation. In the future, when you begin to doubt, you can look at that rock, you can look at that stake or whatever, and that'll be a reminder to you that, that you believed in, in, in Jesus, and, and that's, that'll give you assurance of your faith. And that's not good. That's not good. When the Bible talks about assurance, the Bible never says, look to something that happened in the past. The Bible always says, and, and especially John in 1 John always says, do you want to know if you're, believe, if, if you're saved or not? What's going on? If you're trust, are you believing in Jesus right now? Or are you repenting of your sin right now? And if you are, if you're trusting in him right now and you're repenting of your sin right now, then you can have assurance that you're saved, right? If you're not doing those things, if you're not trusting in him right now, and if you're not uh, repenting of your sins right now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not saved, right? You could be saved but in sin and it needs to be dealt with, but that does mean you don't have assurance of your, of your salvation. There's, there's some doubts there and something needs to be worked out, right? But assurance comes from, from, from the present that, that we're believing and trusting right now, not something that happened in the past. Because, because we can all think of all kinds of people that had something happen in the past, but they're not believing right now. And, and, and right now, many of those people, this is sad, this is bad, but many of those people right now are, are thinking they're saved because of something that happened years ago. And they haven't been to a worship service. They haven't, you know, served in, in, in the church. They haven't repented of their sins. They're not living like a follower of Jesus. But they're thinking they're saved and they're thinking they're okay because of something that happened a long time ago. Um, and and that's, that's, not, that's not good. Yep. He was just saying that, that in the Bible we're told often to remember things and you think about the history of it, and those remembers told to set up specific altars or monuments as reminders of things that God had done, and those remembrances are good, uh, but that's not the basis of assurance. Uh huh. Yeah, she said that when she was saved, she was 12 years old when she was saved, and that, uh, that when she was saved, she knew that she belonged to God. That was the first time that she had felt like she belonged to someone, and she knew that she belonged to God, and she knew that she was saved. And that's, that's the, um, you know, that's, that's the, 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 the Bible says that we're adopted into God's family, and we become his, and he makes himself our God and makes us his children. Um, and, and that's another reason why, you know, that, that goes along with that topic of the nature of salvation, um, we become part of God's family and he's not going to stop being our father at some point in the future. Right now, as, as far as like that feeling that and that assurance that that's awesome, that's awesome for you. And a lot of people have those kind of, you know, the Holy spirit witnesses to us and, and, and assures us of salvation. And, but he doesn't always do it the exact same way in every, in everybody. And so some people have strong feelings like that and other people, other people may not, but that's, that's great that that was your experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's good. She said that there, there have been times in her life that she has uh, been kind of in, in some dark times or whatever and tried to push away from God, but that God never pushed away from her, that God, God was faithful to her and brought her back and um, has answered prayers. And, yeah. All right, any, any final question before we go? 
All right, well, thank you all so much for being here tonight. Next week, we're going to look at some specific scripture passages that, that seem to be kind of problematic for someone who believes you can't lose your salvation, right? If, if you think you can't lose your salvation, then what about this, this verse or what about this passage? We'll look at some of those next week, and then we'll also talk about assurance a little bit next week, and then we'll also talk next week about how do we think about someone that seems to have fallen away, and how should we interact with that person, how should we uh, treat that person, all those kind of things. And then remember, the following week, the last Sunday in, in August, uh, we'll have a whole hour of question and answers discussion. So any questions that you have, if you're not comfortable asking those out loud, that's fine. You can email them to uh, to one of your pastors or to the church office, or you can talk to one of us in person uh, or write them down on a piece of paper and hand them to us or however you want to do that. But that'll be the last Sunday. All right? Let's pray and we'll be finished. Father God, we thank you so much that you are good to us. God, we don't deserve your salvation. We don't deserve you uh, changing us and making us into your children, God. Um, and, and yet you have, and we're thankful. God, I pray you'd make us more thankful. God, I pray that you would... Um, Keep us aware of, uh, of your love for us in Christ. And God, we thank you that you will not reject us. You will not turn away from us, God. But in that, says that if you started a work in us, you will bring it to completion. And God, we're thankful that we can trust in that. And I pray that you would help us to, to trust in that and hope in that. God, we thank you so much for Jesus and pray all this in his name. Amen.